right, after our service on the first Sunday of the month, we're going to celebrate birthdays. So there's a birthday cake in the fellowship hall. And so all those who have October birthdays that told us, uh, your, your birthday is listed on the October bulletin. And so the bulletin is printed once a month. It's on the back table. And so the birthdays, and then I believe there's also three anniversaries. So birthdays and anniversaries are on, um, on uh, printed. And the first Sunday, because our last week was the first Sunday we had our fellowship lunch, we moved it to this week. But moving forward, the first Sunday of the month, uh, we'll celebrate our, our birthdays of the month. And if you have a birthday, you can be first in line to get birthday cake um, after our service. All right, those who are four to six years old, you can go to your class. The rest of us will stay in Romans 5. If you need a Bible, there is a Pew Bible, uh, or pull up your Bible app on your phone. We encourage everyone to have a Bible, be looking at a Bible. Every word is inspired by God. We heard this morning from 2 Timothy 3. We need every word of God's Word, and if we have it, we'll be equipped for every good work. And so, Every time we come here and gather as God's people, we get a little more equipment so that we can learn how to use the equipment of God's Word to go out and serve the Lord with what He teaches us. Romans 4, or Romans 5, I'm sorry. We read uh, 5 to, uh, or 1, 1 to 5, uh, 1 to 11, and I'll, I'll preach uh, 3 to 5. If you wanted to become a Marine... Do you just go to the Marine recruiting office and say, hey, I'm here, sign me up. And they give you a uniform, and they give you a rifle, and they give you, and they say, okay, next week you're going to be shipped out to fight as a Marine. Welcome to, Mar to the Marines. And you think, I'm all looking at you, and you're saying, no, no way. Okay, that's not how Marines are made. If you want to become a Marine, and we have one, uh, in our church, I asked him if my my uh, illustration here is accurate. Boot camp is 13 weeks long. A colonel, uh, Bob Hayes from the Marines, says, we have two missions in the Marine Corps, to win battles and make Marines. He says that the end of this 13 weeks, the crucible is capitalized, is one piece of this effort to make Marines. This is the final stage of a 13-week boot camp. The crucible emphasizes trainee teamwork under stress. Um, quoting another uh, sergeant, recruits get eight hours of sleep during the entire 54-hour exercise, four hours a night. They also, in this 54 hours, get two and a half meals ready to eat, MREs and they're responsible for rationing out the food to themselves. Then we put them through tough physical activities like road marches and night infiltration courses. They march about 40 miles in those 54 hours. The final morning, they wake up, I think it's at four o'clock, and have to march nine, uh, nine miles. And at the end of it, uh, they are dragging 
but they didn't realize how much uh, endurance their bodies could, uh, could endure. So in Romans 3, we have verse, uh, Romans 5, I'm sorry, verse 3, not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. So we have read the sure results of our sure salvation. Last time we looked at uh, the first half of this message, verses 1 through 3. And what are the sure results of our salvation? Well, we have, verse 1, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our salvation is 100% guaranteed because it is 100% guaranteed on the work of Christ, and Christ was delivered for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So Christ's deliverance on the cross his raising on the third day guarantees that all who place their faith in him will be saved. It's sure. It's not I hope. It is a sure thing. That's Romans 4. Now Romans 5 says, since or having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have peace with God. Verse 2 we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We sung about the grace of God this morning. And we have access to God's grace. And the end of verse 2, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. There is no chance of our lives glorifying God. Why? Because Romans 3.23, we've all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. But if our faith is in Jesus and Jesus glorifying God, and He did not fall short of the glory of God, Oh, now we can have our hope is attached to Jesus and Jesus perfectly glorified God. So we rejoice, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 3, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. So he adds one thing to another thing to another thing. And here from verse 3, we have this chain. A chain that one thing produces another thing produces another thing, and this chain are all part of the sure results of our sure salvation. And he's going to explain the beginning of verse 3, which kind of comes out of the blue. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, can, I like the peace with God. I like the access to God's grace, and I like that hope of Christ's glory, that I, that, that, uh, I have God's glory because of Christ. I like all of that. I don't like what he just said at the beginning of verse 3. Rejoice or boast in your sufferings? What? God's plans are not our plans. The Marines' plans are not civilian plans. If you go work at an entrance job and they allow you to be on your cell phone whenever you want and allow you minimal work effort and minimal output and minimal pay, that is nothing like signing up for the Marines. They probably have recruits and they don't call them Marines until the end. They call them recruits. I'm sure there are recruits that back out and say, too hard, not doing it. I'm tapping out. I'll go do something else. The Marines would probably say, yeah, they'll go join the Air Force or the Army. or the <laughs> uh, 
But if you're going to be a Marine, highest standards, toughest jobs, lousiest food. But whenever we infiltrate the enemy territory, uh, the Marines would put the enemy in harm's way because they're Marines, right? So they have endurance. They have suffered in boot camp, and likely they have uh, battlefield experience, or their battlefield experience is more suffering. And they come back with stories. We could sit and listen to Marine stories for hours because it's fascinating, the stories that they tell. We could read about them. And if you're going to become a Marine, you have to learn Marine history, and you have to take a test on uh, some of the great uh, Marines. Here, God knows what He's doing, and that we have a sure sal- salvation, yes. But He wants to use us, and if He's going to use us in the battle, as we heard in Second Timothy, we have to suffer. We have to. We have to do hard things that we think, I would never have chosen this. Who in their right mind would choose two and a half days worth of food that would, two and a half meals, to last you two and a half days? No, especially Marines who are 18, 25-year-old young men, uh, young women who can eat a lot of food. And they have a lot of exercise. And when you exercise and I exercise, we get even more hungry. And they're forced to exercise a lot with little food. Who would do that to your body by choice? Well, if you want to be a Marine, you do it by choice. Why? Because you are suffering. And let's see what verse 3 says. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. We boast in our sufferings, knowing that. Okay, we're going to know certain things here. And there are four things that we have to know. The knowing, I-N-G, means it's an ongoing process, that we're learning this, we're knowing this, we'll be reminded of it because we forget this, and we have to keep knowing this. As we suffer, as we watch other people in our church suffer, we have to keep knowing things. And if you're in that Marine boot camp, you have to know that the end is coming. You want that label. You want that uniform. You want that title but you got to go through the suffering. The suffering here is the word for pressure. When you feel pressured, we often figure out how to be relieved of pressure. But pressure here often is a good thing. A sure result of a sure salvation is that we have we rejoice in our pressure, our trials, our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Rejoice in suffering. You read this week, 2 Timothy 2, and it says there on the right side of your screen, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's verse 1, and then skipping to verse 3, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Enduring hardship. You know what that sounds like in our text here? Suffering. Suffering 
knowing that suffering produces, verse 3, the end of verse 3, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Do you get endurance without suffering? Answer, no, no one gets up the day before the Boston Marathon and runs it having never suffered before that day. Oh, you'll suffer that day, but you probably won't suffer 26.2 miles worth. You're going to tap out before that. Because you have to put your body through a lot of suffering if you're going to get it to run 26.2 miles uphill some of the way. Sometimes in hot weather, sometimes in rain, sometimes in freezing cold weather in April. But we rejoice in suffering because suffering produces endurance. If you want endurance, you have to put your body through suffering. You say, who, <laughs> who wrote this? Okay. Paul wrote this. And we have read in 2 Timothy about the end of his life. What did he do? What did he say in chapter? It was, this was just 15, 20 minutes ago, right? Or half an hour ago. Uh, an hour ago at the end of Sunday school. I'll get the right time. He says, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. Fighting the good fight. You know what that sounds like? Suffering. And Paul is very specific in some of the detailed suffering that he endured. Suffering produces endurance. You have to keep knowing this. We have to gather as God's people and gather around those people in our church that are suffering and say, you know what? Suffering produces endurance. Yeah, I know. Okay, we're here with you. God is with you. We're going to endure this with you. Suffering produces endurance. Another translation is patience. See, endurance means to keep going when you want to quit. Patience says, okay, I don't like this, but I'm going to keep doing this. Usually we think of patience as, I don't like this, but I'm going to keep waiting. I'm going to keep waiting. But waiting on the Lord, as we heard last Sunday, is not idly sitting by in an easy chair watching TV waiting for God to do something. It is doing something while you're waiting for God to do something. And so waiting on God is doing what you know is your responsibility. What is your responsibility in this text of Scripture? You should be knowing. Use your brain as a Christian. A sure result of your sure salvation is you need to know this process. This process has been true from 2,000 years ago. It's been true, and it's true all throughout your life. If you know for sure that you are saved, God's putting you and I through this process. We have to know this. We have to keep knowing it. We have to remind others in our church that want to quit as a Christian and say, you know what, Christianity is too hard. I'm walking away. It's way easier to walk away than to stay here. Wait till we start getting pressure. Wait till we start getting some persecution. Wait till people start losing their jobs and their livelihood because they're Christians in our church. Wait till people start getting put in jail in the United States for being a Christian. It's likely coming. 
okay, and we're going to suffer. Why? Because 2 Timothy 4 told us, or 3, told us that we would suffer, right? Verse 12, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And we're going to be godly. We're not going to be like the world in 2 Timothy 4, lovers of self, lovers of pleasure, lovers of money, more than lovers of God. So we need to be prepared, the knowing that suffering produces endurance. And we're boasting in that. We're rejoicing in that. Who rejoices in suffering? People that are losing their mind. Or people that have this kind of mind. And if people watch us suffer and we rejoice in our suffering... Why? Because we are knowing something. Suffering produces endurance. And he's not done with endurance. He doesn't want us to just be keeping going, keep marching, keep doing what God, what pleases God. No, he says, he continues in verse 4. Endurance produces character. Another translation says proven character. That word there, character, means tested If you want to get a PhD or an MD degree, do you think you have to be tested? Do you want your doctor that you go to, your specialist for whatever ailment that you're feeling, to have a legitimate MD, a medical doctor's degree? Absolutely. You don't want him to get it online, print it off, Put his name in there, copy-pasted, and say, yeah, look at that. I got the degrees on the wall. And the stuff he's telling you is like, I have never heard that. No one has ever (laughs) that. And he doesn't even know the names of the medicines. He doesn't know the names of the therapies. He doesn't know the name. He's just ignorant. You're like, okay, I don't think. If you went through those tests, I don't think you know your stuff. Okay, I am not going back to you again. I'll see you later. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces tested, proven character. Why is it important for Marines to have tested, proven character? Because they're going to be on a battlefield. Bullets are going to be flying over their heads, around them. The enemy may hit one of the Marines, and now we have to figure out what to do with a wounded warrior on the battlefield. You, that now is not the time to be tested. Now's the time to prove that you have been tested when you're on the battlefield. And when we have a sure salvation, suffering is a part of producing endurance in us. And if we will keep going. Keep following Christ. Keep fighting the good fight, as Paul would encourage us. We have to realize, we have to know this, suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, tested, proven character. And we want to pass the test. We often get saved, and we're pretty lazy spiritually. What can God do for me, we think? 
instead of what can I do for him? And when he, if we were to, in a selfless moment, ask God, what can I do for you? And he tells you this kind of stuff, and you're like, oh, whoa, 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 time out. <laughs> I, I lost you with the suffering. <laughs> I, I, don't, I didn't sign up for this. A sure result of your sure salvation is that you willingly suffer. Why? Because you know certain things that those who are outside of Christianity don't know outside of the body of Christ, don't know. If you're in the Marines, those outside the Marines don't know. But when you're in it, when you're suffering and you're enduring, you can watch the endurance produce in you and in your uh, fellow Marines character, tested, proven character, strength, courage, all words that were like, inside of us all of us are saying yes yes that's what i want how do i get it suffer no 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 there's got to be some medicine you don't get endurance by medicine you suffer you endure the suffering that means you keep going when you want to quit and then when you keep going, then people around you are going to start notice this person is different. They're being tested and they keep trusting God. If you and I were to watch Job and we had a video of Job's life, this is what it looks like. His wife even says, curse God and die. He is not worth following. And Job says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. His trials produced endurance, and it had to go on likely for months, if not a year or two, and he had proven character. So when God revealed himself to Job at the end of his book, he was quick to repent of all of his sin and in the most godly man uh, on the earth at that time. We can learn from him. Rejoicing in suffering because suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character that has been tested. There's evidence that this person is learning, is knowing this process. And then verse 4 continues, and character produces hope. Character produces hope. We have heard of hope back in verse 2. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. As I was thinking through 2 Timothy this week with you, and thinking that um, all those who suffer, or all those who are godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, what came to my mind was suffering and persecution are temporary. Now, we think in the middle of suffering, this is never going to end. But we have to know things. And if we will keep going as we suffer, keep trusting the Lord, keep doing what we know is right to do according to God's word, he will produce in us godly character. And that godly character will help us to know where to look when we suffer again. Where do we look when we suffer and endure and produce character? 
Do not look inside yourself. That sounds like blasphemy to the world's idolatry. It is. We don't look inside of ourselves because inside of ourselves, you won't find endurance and character and hope. We look outside of ourselves. And Titus 2 would tell us where to look with God's grace. We look to our blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. How can we endure suffering as a good soldier? Keep trying to please the Lord, 2 Timothy uh, 2 would tell us. And here it would say, you need to know this process. God puts all of us through suffering, no matter what kind of suffering it is. And if we will keep trusting the Lord, we'll have endurance. And if we'll keep enduring, then we'll have godly character. And if we'll have godly character, that will produce in us hope. How do we get from suffering to hope? You can't take this chain apart and put it back together how you want. This is God's way of using us, using suffering to help us because we are his own, because we have a sure salvation. Character produces hope. Hope and faith are very similar. Hope isn't something we can't see. Faith is trusting in something we can't see. And we hope in this process. We hope in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We hope in God's plan now that we're part of God's family. And then he says in verse 5, hope doesn't put us to shame. When you get out of, the, out of the Marines, after all you've suffered in boot camp, are you ashamed to be a Marine? <laughs> Have you ever met a Marine that was ashamed to be a Marine? It's the opposite. They're like, you can tell me what you want, but I know what I went through. <laughs> I know I'm part of an elite fighting force because our mission is to win battles and make other guys and ladies like us. It's our mission. Simple, right? Those people are tough, unwavering, because they have character. They have endured. They have suffered. And for the Christian, our character isn't just to be looked at by other people and marveled at, and people want to be like us because of our Christian character. Oh, no. Because our Christian character in us is producing us to, or it's uh, proving to show us where to look. And we are looking toward Christ. It's producing hope. And a hope that we have. The world is going to mock us. They're going to ridicule us. They're going to call us bigots. They're going to call us hateful. They're going to call us fascists. They're going to call us a lot of other things. And it's just going to get worse. Second Timothy uh, 3 tells us it's going to get worse. But if we know this process and we're knowing it, that hope does not put us to shame. Another translation says uh, does not disappoint. The better translation, probably the, word, the Greek word is to put us to shame. You don't have to be ashamed if you have hope in this process. Why? Okay. And he answers in verse 5 because this is such a logical book. One thing leads to another thing. And you have a question like, so why doesn't hope put us to shame? Why shouldn't we be ashamed that we are part of this process? 
Okay, verse 5 continues. Because, answering the question why, because God's love has been poured into our hearts. I would expect to see faith there, maybe hope again. But faith is the, definitely the theme of chapter 4. Hope seems to be the theme up to this point of chapter 5. And then he has God's love. God's love has been poured into our hearts. This word pour is usually translated poured out. So when you think of something, that a cup, and you go outside and or a bottle, and you pour it out, like, okay, pour it, maybe, and if we were wanting, we, if we didn't have a lot of rain, like last summer, remember last summer when everything was dry, okay? Every time you had water and you wanted to pour it out, you'd pour it on your plants. <laughs> you'd pour it on a little tree you're trying to get to grow. You'd pour it on something that really needed water because we didn't have a lot of rain. So don't waste the water last summer. There's probably watering restrictions. So when you pour something out, you pour it onto something that's going to help that thing survive. So it's not pouring out like pouring it on the blacktop and let it evaporate, okay? It's pouring it onto something that needs it. And here it says that we are poured into. So God's love has been poured into our hearts. There's a transformation that's happening here. Our sure, our sure salvation leads to this suffering. This suffering leads us to hope. And the hope, as we're hoping, we're looking to our God, the world says, why are you doing that? And they're, they're wanting us to feel shame. You can read through the Psalms and you'll see the Psalms are, are saying, my enemies are causing me to feel shamed and but Lord, make them be ashamed of their wickedness. And you'll see that theme over and over and over again throughout the Psalms. So we rejoice in suffering because we hope and hope doesn't Put us to shame because God's love is in us. You know, as Paul had fought the good fight, kept the faith, you would have talked to the Apostle Paul in prison, as several got to in the book of 2 Timothy. You'd find here is still a loving man. A man who's not cynical, hopeless, depressed. He's still loving his fellow prisoners. And likely his fellow prisoners have heard the gospel many times, and some of them will probably see in heaven because he was their prison mate, prison cell across the way, whatever it is. God's love was in the Apostle Paul. But it's not just for him. God's love is in our hearts. We hope in our God, his sure salvation. We trust in this knowing this process of how suffering helps us to hope in God even more. And as we hope in God, and the world wants us to be ashamed of our hope and think, why are you hoping in that? Christ is going to come, wipe the earth clean? No, they're going to say, join us. It takes all of us to fight against tyranny and fight against injustice and all these things. But God's love is in us. What is God's love? Well, 1 Corinthians 13, it might be too small for you to see that. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. God's love is patient and kind and doesn't seek its own. It's not easily provoked. And here it says in verse 7, it believes all things, it hopes all things, endures all things. It never fails. It just keeps going. So it sounds like 
endurance. It sounds like this, and this is what we're looking for in ourselves and in other people that say they are saved. Okay, you say you're a Christian. Let's look for fruit. I was in the dentist chair getting a filling, trying to endure that uh, this week. Um, and my dentist and her assistant were talking, and you know how dentists and their assistant talk to themselves the whole 30 minutes you're there? They're like, you're not even there. Okay, so they're talking away, and I'm sitting there listening and not able to say a word because i got to keep my mouth open and I can't move and uh, everything and try to not swallow the nasty taste and stuff, right? So you're there in the dentist chair, and they're talking about apple picking. And the dentist, I think, is telling her assistant, yeah, went to this apple orchard and didn't find any apples on the tree. It's not a good season for apples or that orchard anyway. And I... I was thinking of that as I was looking here for what does this have to do with verse 5? God's love is poured into the hearts of believers through the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, etc. If you go to an apple orchard, what do you expect to pick? Apples. And when you go to the apple orchard and they say, it's been a bad season, we don't have apples, you're like, ah. Oh. I expect of all places in New England that are going to have apples, except the grocery store, that I should be able to find some apples at an apple orchard. And there was disappointment in the voice of my dentist. I'm glad she wasn't too disappointed because she did a good job on my teeth. Um, That she expected to find apples and was disappointed. So when it comes to Christians, and the world knows this too, the world's watching our lives and they're expecting to see something. They're expecting to see love. 1 Corinthians 13 love, the love that is patient and kind and is not thinking any evil. It doesn't rejoice in evil, but rejoices in the truth, and it believes and trusts, and it's always thinking the best of people, and it just keeps going. And when they don't see that in us, something's wrong. Something's wrong about us. And it's likely that we forgot this process. Oh, we know that we're saved. But we don't know how God's using suffering and endurance and proven character and hope. And His love is in us. And His Spirit is in us. Why is His love in us? It's not because we're lovely people. We just think loving thoughts. And this is how we just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and just show love to our enemies. That's not going to happen. No. God's love is in us because His Spirit is in us. This is the first mention of the Holy Spirit, except for the introduction of 1-4. We've seen the Father, we've seen the Son, all that God has accomplished for us in salvation And here we have this suffering and character, endurance, and then character, and then hope. And we're not ashamed of this hope because God's love is in our hearts. And we say, how is God's love here? Oh, the Holy Spirit's there. God's Spirit is in us. So anything loving that we ever do for people after we're saved, who gets the credit? The Holy Spirit is part of God's plan. 
It's part of our knowledge that we have to keep knowing this. And we gather as His people, and we forget things. We forget all kinds of things. Two weeks ago, we had to remember the Lord's table because we forget the sacrifice. We can sing about it. We can gather here and rejoice in our salvation. And yet, when we go to suffer, we don't endure. Ah, we give up too easily. Our sure salvation comes with these sure results that leads us to know that we have God's Spirit. And look at the end of verse 5. The Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The greatest gift of salvation is God's Spirit inside of us. Jesus said that. The greatest gift of salvation is not eternal life. It's not forgiveness. And those are wonderful gifts of salvation. But do you know what the Old Testament people desperately wanted? You can read about it in David. Don't take your spirit from me. He says, I think it's Psalm 51. As you took it from Saul. And in Acts 2, when the the Jewish people are listening to the day of Pentecost and Peter's preaching, and they want God's spirit in them as they are watching that the believers there on the day of Pentecost have God's spirit in them. And they really want God's spirit. And God's Spirit is going to be mentioned in chapter 5 and a lot in chapter 8 in Romans. But the introduction here to the Holy Spirit is He is a gift that's been poured into our hearts better than water on a parched plant. And He produces, I'm working my way backwards now through the text, the Holy Spirit's been given to us. He's been poured into our hearts and He produces God's love. And as we know that it increases our hope and we're not ashamed of that hope why because we have character tested proven character and that character has been encourages us to keep enduring as we keep suffering and all the while we're knowing that god is in us and he's working sure results of a sure salvation So are you boasting in your suffering in a way that Jesus looks good and you're not the hero of all of your stories? Are you boasting in your suffering? So I'm going to ask you questions based on the text that we looked at. Are you looking for relief instead of are you looking for Christ? Because the church is different than the world. When you go to the doctor and he says you have this and you say, give me some relief, doc, from my pain. He says, okay, I can give you some medicine. You take that medicine, you have some relief, but the pain comes back. Pain is part of suffering. And instead of just medicine, there's something better than medicine. It's Christ. God is producing Christ-likeness in us. Are you looking for relief? Are you looking for a longer life instead of Christ-likeness? You need to repent then and say, God, change my direction. Change my thinking. I want a relief when you wanted me to be like Christ. Forgive me for wanting the wrong thing. And the Holy Spirit's going to be telling you, yes, you want to be like Christ. You want God's love to be in you, flowing through you. 
And this is how you hope and endure and suffer well. Second question, are you learning to trust Christ more? See, there are all kinds of ways to not trust Christ and trust in the experts. You have the internet. You can trust anything you want and not trust Christ. Are you learning, though, to trust Christ more? God allows suffering. And what did he tell Paul? My grace is sufficient for you. What did God's grace remind Paul of? This process. And Paul says, okay, I'm going to boast in my weakness. I'm going to boast in my suffering. Same word is here. Rejoice or boast in your suffering, knowing that this process is going. Are you learning to trust Christ more? You may get to the part in suffering where you say, okay, God, I've suffered enough. Or this person that I love has suffered enough. God is a loving Father. He won't give you more than you can endure. He knows your breaking point. I've heard a seasoned believer say, but I, sometimes I think he's pushing it. He's pushing the limits. Yes, because he's wanting you to stop trusting your own understanding and start trusting in the Lord with all your heart. Stop trusting the Lord for 99% and I got the 1%. No, trust him with all of your heart. And don't lean on any of your own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 would remind us. Does your proven character cause you to hope in Christ? As you are learning to trust Christ more and more and more and more, and you look back on your life and say, whoa, why did I not trust him more? And those times that you did, you're like, I'm so thankful that I trusted him. He came through. <laughs> he always comes through. And proven character causes you to hope in Christ. Your focus here is not on 2024 election. It's got to be. We got to get our guy in. It, 2024 election means zero. It's not going to change the Bible at all. Don't hope in an election. I say this every election, and I'll keep saying it as we have elections. We watch the news. We listen to the commentaries. We get start thinking like our favorite commentator. We can win arguments with those other people. I, I don't really care. Are you suffering that's causing you to trust Christ more, which is causing you to hope in Christ now? And your hope is, I can't wait for him to come back. I can't wait for, to see him. As the songwriter says, turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things of this earth grow strangely dim. Politics grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. All the stuff we can accumulate here on earth grows strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And as you learn to trust Christ more and he starts producing character that has been tested and you're causing you to trust him more and more, your hope is in Christ and it's like the end of your life is more and more exciting instead of more and more 
depressing, discouraging. Eh, no one wants to talk to you because you're always down. And why are you down? Because you're, you forgot this process. Go back to Romans 5, 3 to 5, and say, God, I don't think like this. I need to think like this. And finally, do godly Christians in your church, in your home, that live around you, that see you on a regular basis, do they see 1 Corinthians 13 love in you? Do they see it? Can we interview them and say, hey, is your dad, father, uh, husband, nephew, the person that sits next to you that you talk to almost every Sunday, do you see God's love in them? Does your wife, does your husband, your kids, your parents, do you see God's love in you? Because if not, then there's something's going off. Something's not connected here that needs to be connected. Something is unhitched. Trying to pull something with a chain that's in two parts. It's not a complete chain. Go back to Romans 5 and say, God, show me where, what I'm missing here. I want to glorify you. I know you've done everything. All the, all the glory uh, of my salvation is yours. Christ was delivered up for my trespasses and raised for my justification. Since I've been justified by faith, I've got peace with God. I've got access to his grace. I'm rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. And now I'm starting to suffer and I don't know what to do. I go back to this. God, help me to suffer like this. And if you need help, this is why we exist as a church. This is why we gather as God's people to provoke one another to love and good works. We can't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Keep coming to church. Say, but I'm suffering. Okay, keep coming to church while you suffer. We'll suffer with you. Don't suffer alone. And we will walk with you. And there are godly people in this church that their lives look like this. When I suffer, I go to them because they have more life experience and they are godly. They've suffered well. And many of them are in heaven and we can't wait to join them there. May God find us faithful as we know what he's doing with our suffering. Let's pray. Father, thank you for suffering. Help us to rejoice and boast in it. Help us to not take our eyes off of Christ as we suffer. Help us to keep trusting you. Help us to keep doing what is right and obeying you, even if it's hard. Help us to have character that's tested, that's evidence that we're walking with you. Help us to have hope and help uh, others to see that your love is flowing through us to a lost and dying world, to our enemies, to our friends, to our loved ones, to our family, to our church family. And I pray that we would know how to encourage one another and provoke one another to love and good works this week as we suffer well. Help us to keep knowing these things in Jesus' name.